Spinning out of control, here we go Foot to the pedal, till it's touching the metal Let's rock and roll, yeah So they need to get them tigers to screech and I beat them Check the flags, last lap, nobody can beat them It's just that it's a party, put it on in the carpool And hear us talk a lot of NASCAR in the audio Singing loud, we don't just want it out of mode We're getting dirty around here, yeah We're in the mall. We're in the marbles Uh, we're in the marbles We're in the marbles Hey guys, welcome to episode 51 of In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan I am Ethan, you can find me on Twitter at Viva La Ethan And my name's Soda, you can find me on Twitter at Soda underscore Hunter 51 what is the first thing that comes to mind? Neil Bonnet. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, point. the Country Time Lemonade Chevy Lumina from 1994. Uh, he was killed in that that practice before Daytona 500 that year. And that was the car he was going to drive all year long. I think select races. I don't think he was going to drive all year. But Jeff Purvis wound up taking over the ride after him. But that's the first one I think of. There's a lot of them. But... For me, it's mostly fictional. I can guess, though, who you're going to pick. Who am I going to pick? I assumed you're going to pick Kyle Busch. I was going to pick Kyle <laughs> Busch, but I thought, are we going strictly Cup Series for some oh, reason? Oh, go I, ahead. So I would say Kyle Busch um, driving that 51 KBM Chevy in uh, Truck Series. But if we had to go strictly Cup Series, I'd be going Kurt Busch, okay. uh, Talladega, with the Ricky or the Ricky Bobby inspired paint scheme, even though I hate that movie, I did too. I did too. It was rather insulting. Yeah, NASCAR. Um, I didn't even think about him because that was a one-off, wasn't it? Oh, no, he drove that number a few times, didn't he? Did he drive that number uh, all year I, long? Yeah, he he drove it all year. It was long. like a red and white fifty-one. Yeah, right, right about that. Yeah, yeah I don't remember, but. I remember he actually did pretty decent because he's Kurt Busch and he'll turn any ride into something pretty decent. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one because I hadn't I hadn't thought about that one. I know that uh, AJ Foyt drove the number a few times in Cup when he wasn't fourteen; he was fifty-one. And also a lot of fictional drivers: uh, Rowdy Burns and Cole Trickle drove the fifty-one. In Days of Thunder, which is where Rowdy Bush gets his idea for the 51, the black and red number 51, like Rowdy Burns. Yeah. And what I get, I have a case of Rowdy Burn uh, energy drink in the fridge. You know, it's, I mean, it's all connected, right? Yeah, absolutely. I have yet to try one of the Rowdy Burns. They're pretty good. I mean, I got a case of them. <laughs> Heck yeah. Um, I need to find let's one. see. Also, and cars, 51's a big number because the fabulous uh, Hudson Hornet in cars. Doc Hudson was 51. 
Oh. And um, at the end of Cars 3, the uh, next driver to come along, Cruz Ramirez, I can't say her last name, Ramirez, I think is her name. Uh, sure. Before the end of the movie is over, she changed her number to 51 in honor of Doc. So there are two 51s in the Cars universe. So that's, Oh. There's a few fictional 51s out there. Also, I remember it being a red 51 on the old Racing Champions packaging. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. It was a, a red and white number 51. I think later they changed it to black when the packaging went red. But, yeah, my mom actually says she found that car one day in Walmart. And it was in, like, the regular packaging, like the black packaging oh. with the red 51 on it. And it was a red 51 like the promotional car. And I was like, you found it. Where's it at? It's like, Oh, I left it there. Do what? Oh no. <laughs> that's like a chase. <laughs> that's, oh, that's a chase no. before there were chases. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Like, oh man. You should have picked it up. Next time you ever see that, pick it up. We never saw it again. So <clears throat> that's just how it is. How's my voice coming across? Oh, uh, good. Mm. Yeah. I can hear you loud and clear. Yeah. I didn't have one this morning. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I don't even know why. I uh, I'm not sick. I don't feel bad. No fevers. No sinus issues. No sore throat. Nothing. It's just I kind I could kind of feel it last night coming in, just a little bit. And I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll just get over whatever's happening. I wake up the next morning. I couldn't say anything. Or this morning, really? Just I don't know where. It's better right now and it has been all day. And luckily we're recording now. So yeah, it works out. That's awesome. I I'll tell you what, I have not had a runny nose at all today. And <laughs> as soon as we started recording, the floodgates opened. And I don't know why. So if you hear me sniffling, my bad. Um <clears throat> I was gonna I was gonna do something I thought would be funny because uh you know, I got the recorder going here. Uh -huh. I, I've actually posted a little something on, on Twitter the other day with it. I just, I, I play friends in low places on Twitter. Right? Yeah, I saw it. So it was awesome. I thought it's like, I, I got a funny song to learn today. And I had to, it took me about 15 minutes to figure it out. And um, it fit in with what happened this morning. When I woke up, I woke up to the sound of silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So I thought it's like, it'd be funny here. Like. That's fantastic. Sody G, everybody. I'm, yeah, I messed, round of applause. I messed up one note right at the beginning That's of it. Okay. It squeaked. No, My no thumb slipped a little bit and it squeaked. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> fantastic. Oh, I thought that would I thought that would be interesting to play that on there. Get a couple people laughing about it anyway, because I literally could not say anything this morning. I couldn't say anything up until about four o'clock. Oh I mean wow. it was rough, but I'm here. I could sing Johnny yeah. Cash if I wanted to, but I'm not going to. 
I got that raspy yeah. voice for hurt, but I'm not going to do that. Let's talk That's about awesome. this weekend a little bit. Yeah. Um, we had Richmond this weekend. What overall with the new low downforce package and and all that, uh, do you, did you have any real takeaway from the race this weekend? You know, honestly, I really didn't. Um, I think it was more pit strategy than anything. Uh, obviously, tire wear was a huge factor and things that will kind of hit a little bit later in the episode, but like a lot of drivers running out of mm -hmm. tires at the end of the race, except for, well, I mean, I don't know if Josh Berry ran out of tires or, or no, what. I don't his, I think that was just a strategy. Yeah, I think so too. So um, I think pit strategy kind of uh, trumped all other storylines going in there when it comes to the arrow package. Mm-hmm. I, so yeah. well, I like this. I, I, well, when I say the the package, low downforce package, I guess I'm including the tire good you brought mm -hmm. because I mean that's part of it. They they gave you a tire that went away, and it went away fast. And you saw at the end of the race how fast the tires went away. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. There were a few people I think that ran out of tires at the end of it, but. When it comes down to like Josh Berry and Michael McDowell, I don't think those two actually run out of tires. I just think they knew that they weren't going to get anywhere. They were stuck in the back of the field. So they were just going to go all the way to the end of the race. I mean, they could on fuel. They were just going to go all the way to the end. And it just happened to turn out that a caution came out while they were up front, you know, in the top 10, when they had been in 25th and 30th and all that all day. Right, yeah. And... um God, Josh Berry's crew, that nine car crew, they got him out in the second place. And if it wasn't for the fact that Kyle Larson was on it, he would have won that race. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, he even did some really good restarts and all that, but that Kyle Larson's car is just, he, he was on it today. Yeah. So, uh, absolutely. So, who won this week? Who all picked Kyle Larson? I know they picked Kyle Larson every single week in that fantasy cup we have. Who picked him this week? Nobody. <laughs> nobody <laughs> i was one week shy i should have you know picked someone else for the last week and i should have went with larson this week oh gosh that's just you know part of it though yeah. so um that's pretty interesting how nobody picked joey logano a couple weeks ago yeah uh nobody picked kyle larson so it's kind of funny how it's all kind of working out shaking out and stuff but it just kind of reinforces the the fact that this is not easy it's not <laughs> it's so not it, um, you have to be strategic if you're gonna hoist that you gotta be lucky season. i mean you're strategic yeah but you gotta be lucky like yeah. really lucky i mean What's the chance that you pick Kyle Larson in a track he's really good at, and then he has uh, some kind of mechanical problem on lap ten or something, right? You know, and he finishes so far back, or or you pick Denny Hamlin at a track where Joe Gibbs is really good at, and he's really good at, and then he keeps speeding on pit road, and his tire won't go on right, and so they lose spots that way, and he just can't get outside back inside the top twenty at the end of the race. You just you got you gotta have the luck on your side. I mean, who would have thought sure. the wrecking ball would go in there and not touch anybody and intimidate, I'm going to say it, intimidate somebody so bad that he goes up and takes out the person that's won like two in a row this year, William Byron, one of the hottest drivers in NASCAR right now. 
Yeah, and then turns around and tries to blame him <laughs> for everything. It's fantastic. I'm sorry. It's so fantastic. I love it. Yeah, Twitter <laughs> Twitter was crazy a oh, couple of days yeah. ago because uh, of that whole deal where all right, if you didn't see it, um I'm I'm sure if you had any if you're paying attention to the rest at all, you saw it. But Chastain went low on a restart. Everybody does. That's what you do at Richmond. If, you, yeah. if the opening's there, you go low. And he took it three wide to the bottom going to turn one. It scared Christopher Bell so much when he realized that that one car was down there. He jumped a whole half a lane higher than he was supposed to run. And Ross Chastain never got off the line. Like he never got off the bottom line. He ran that corner exactly the way he should have. He never touched nobody. He was never nowhere near nobody. But Bell got so scared that that one car was on the inside of him. He pushed a whole half a lane up from his line and spun out the 24 car and then come in the pits and says the wrecking ball went down there and dive bombed it in the turn one and caused the wreck. <laughs> you know what it kind of reminds me of? What's that? Chase Elliott versus Kevin Harvick at the Roval back in 2021. A little bit. That's the last time we've seen something like that. You know? <laughs> it, it is, but I think it's broader than that, though. It isn't like yeah. there's no reason why Chase, uh, Chris Rebell should be um, scared of Ross Chastain other than the fact that it's Ross Chastain. You know how he's going to race. So there's one other driver that I've been saying for the last few weeks that in NASCAR history that really does that to you when they get behind you, really gets in your head because you know how he raced. And I actually yeah. heard it brought up by somebody that wasn't me this week. Oh. Yeah, it was in a YouTube video. Is Ross Chastain the new Intimidator? Not saying he's Dale Earnhardt. I'm talking about the right. nickname. Is he the new Intimidator? Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's proof. It's, proof at Richmond. It's <laughs> very hard to disagree with that statement. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I, I love it because I've been saying it for weeks and finally somebody else somebody else is saying it. I was like, yeah. because when you go into the corner and you don't even touch nobody and somebody wrecks just because you're behind them, that's intimidation. There's no other way of putting it. Ross Chastain's a new intimidator. Just straight up. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> and it ended up with some really, really funny memes. There were so many good memes. Uh, some of them really tasteless, but some really good ones too. Yeah. It, I had a field day <laughs> at, on Twitter literally all week because it was just one after another. And there was some there was some very questionable ones. Oh, and yeah. then, you know, <laughs> most of them were so funny though. Oh my goodness. I think I saw one where uh, Chastain was holding a watermelon over the fight at Daytona in 1979, like he was about to smash oh those two guys with a watermelon. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. When we say tasteless, <laughs> ones, we're talking about like presidential assassinations and stuff like that. It's just it's crazy. I saw one of the picture of Lincoln. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, basically, the whole meme is Ross Chastain causes everything 
Like yeah. he's the reason why this person wrecked. He's the reason why these people wrecked. He's the reason why Abraham Lincoln was shot. You know, just this is <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. I saw one where Ross Chastain was coming down like a meteor, like his uh, car was coming down like a meteor with dinosaurs under him. <laughs> so like Ross Chastain took out dinosaurs. He's become a Chuck Norris. You know, he oh, really man. is. He's a, he's a Chuck Norris of NASCAR all of a sudden. Oh man. That's fantastic. I remember the time that uh, Ross Chastain accidentally, I don't know why I said accidentally. He didn't accidentally. He did it on purpose. Uh, he you remember just, that time he where just he just meant to rattle the cages. You remember? <laughs> well, yeah. Remember that one time when, when Ross Chastain stole uh, Joey Gladstone's car and put it in reverse through Danny Tanner's kitchen? <laughs> I do. I was there. I watched it happen live and it's wild. Remember that uh, um, that one time Ross Chastain stole the pace car at Talladega? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you could go on and on. It's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. It's so funny. It's, it's, and some of the, the Photoshop jobs on them are really, really good. Like, there's one where yeah. Chastain's putting a race in the 50s, and he shoots, like, somebody up into the wall who goes outside the track, and he's just sitting there underneath the car like like he went by him. You know, it's just it's wild. It, we oh, we yeah. retweeted a few of them on In the Marbles. Uh, if you want to go back and check out some of our retweets, and uh, you can find them pretty easy if you just search Chastain and photos, Ross Chastain and photos. Because I searched Chastain, it was a model named Chastain. I was like, that's not what I'm looking for. Oh, <laughs> so search Ross Chastain and the photos on Twitter, and you can find all these memes and stuff. And some of them warn you. Some of them might hit a little close to home as far as like what might be tasteful or not tasteful. You know what I mean? They might yeah. hit a nerve, but uh, a lot of them are hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, oh, yeah. That's fantastic. I had a blast with watch, looking at all those. Chastain says that uh, a lot of people, they don't even like look his way. They just walk right yeah. by him. Like He's got this, this, this nothing else about it. I mean, everybody just talks about him behind his back, but nobody will actually say anything to him. It's got to be an intimidation factor. The dude is, he's constantly finishing up front with the way he drives. I mean, I i don't know what to tell him. Right. So as far as the racing, the actual racing goes at Richmond, I kind of feel like, I kind of liked it. You know, they, you, you had the tire fall off, which made a lot of uh, really neat strategic calls as far as as far as your, you know, when you're going to do the pit stops. And you saw some take advantage of staying out a lot longer, like maybe about 15 or 20 laps longer. And yeah. they would lose all that track position. But then when they come in towards the end of the stage, Denny Hamlin did this. That's how he won stage two. He came in. And all of a sudden, the rest of the run going to the checkered flag of the stage, he had 15, 20 lap faster tires than everybody else did. And he caught everybody right back up. And I thought there for a minute, my pick, Chris Rebell, was going to end up winning that stage because all of a sudden he took the lead. And I was like, yes, that, I knew he'd get up there. It took him yeah. half the race, but he got up there. And then next thing I know, they say Hamlin won the stage. Like, I wasn't even paying attention. What happened? Hamlin win? How'd he win? You know, he, he stayed out longer than everybody else. He should have been way back there. But if you stay out longer than everybody else and you get your tires and the caution doesn't come out, you, you're you catching that, that speed back up. 
and then some apparently because he shot all the way up to the lead. So there's all sorts of strategies like that. And then at some point, Martin Truex made an extra stop or he came in when some people didn't or something and they ran out of a set of tires. They sure did. Yeah. Um, and they ran out of tires when it counted the mm -hmm. most for sure. Um, I guess it must've been on a six lap run because all they uh, yeah. had was six lap scuffs, which a scuff yeah. is a tire that's went through a heat cycle. Um, that used to be a strategy. That used to be what they would do in practice. When I was a kid, they wanted to get the uh, glaze off the tires because a brand new tire, uh, I don't know so much nowadays, but a brand new tire back then when I was a kid, it had a glaze on it. So they would run two or three hard laps on this tire and they come in and they change the tires, put another new set on there, run out there, two or three hard laps, come back in, change those tires. They do that five or six times to get scuffs. And it would give them more grip right away. As opposed to waiting for a lap and a half, two laps on this glaze to wear off. Right. You know, that, that was the idea of that. That's not an advantage when the tires fall off so fast. That's an advantage when you have a really good hard tire that you want uh, grip as fast as you can get it. When you want as much grip as you can get, as long as you can get it, you don't need to be scuffing tires. That is true. And yeah. he had a six lap difference on his tires. And it was amazing. The fall off of, of those tires just in six laps. And I don't think they told him. Yeah, they definitely did not tell him. And he was, so he took the green flag and he thought he had all four flat tires. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like a lot of people might sit there and think, okay, it's only six laps. Like, is it really that noticeable? It's massively noticeable. Um, obviously I can't, you know, talk about it through experience. Obviously I've never been a race car driver, but I was listening to it on uh, Dale junior download. And right before we started recording and he was talking about how vastly different you would be able to, and how quickly you would be able to notice a difference between fresh tire, you know, uh, not clean tires, but, uh, new tires mm -hmm. versus scuff tires. So yeah, it's, massively different but my question is why if i'm a crew chief in cup series do, would you want to tell your driver that they're on scuffs because i absolutely would tell my driver that he's on scuffs hey listen because there's a lot of different prep that the driver can do you could really you know scrub them off before the start get that heat build up in them um you know I forgot what the word is, but when they drive off really, really fast and then slow down because they're still on pace laps, what's that called? Um, I'm, I'm not sure what the word is for it, but I mean, I just know you're, you're kind of heating your tires up. Yeah. So it's like the initial, like trying to launch, mm -hmm. you know, trying to do that several times. There's a, a lot of things that Truex could have done defensively to make sure that, you know, he wasn't going to be a setting duck on somewhat colder tires, you know? So I feel like as a crew chief, you have to tell your driver all that information. And as a driver, you expect your, your team, your crew chief to be there and, and tell you that information. And there has to be that trust in there, right? Because 
as a driver, I'm sitting there with the mindset of you're going to tell me everything that I need to know. Like I, I have to know whether I'm on new tires, scuff tires, just for the preparation leading up to the restart. Yeah, I have, I don't have any experience as far as like asphalt and tires and all that, because, you know, I race on dirt and on dirt, you really don't have that issue with tires. Right. Tires tend to last uh, several races sometimes. And, um, that's how it always was with me. I mean, I, I think I might've bought other than the ones that popped as far as his tires getting wore out. I think I might've bought maybe three or four tires all year. Oh, wow. As far as like the right front went, because I'm a right front was the main, uh, tire on the front wheel drive car. Cause it carried the entire load of the car, you know, yeah. it, it pulled and it carried the whole weight of the car going into the corner and it pushed at the same time. So, the right front would always be the one of blue all the time. And we right. fixed that by messing with the brakes on the car. Oh, you know, like, yeah. you know, you, you take the brake off the right front and uh, just the uh, left front brake will grab and the right front won't. So to turn your car to where you're not pushing, you're more loose going into the corner. Yeah. And that would, that would offset the, uh, the, the load on the right front. So we fixed it with that and we fixed it with certain pressures and stuff like that. But it took us a while to figure it out a good year and a half or so to finally figure out how to not blow tires like that. But I say all that to say, I don't have any experience with the scuff part of it. One day I actually, uh, it was a, it was a really, really dry track. And if you know anything about dirt, when a really, a dry dirt track, it's basically asphalt. Yes. It's, it's, it's incredibly slick um, in certain parts because you have a film of dust, not mud, just dust over it. But it's also, it, it feels like concrete. And you feel every little bump and every rivet or, or, yeah, whatever, every little bump in the turns, every little bump in the surface. You see the rubber come in from the uh, higher classes. Uh, they, they lay down rubber on the grooves. So you'll be, it'd be like red clay, then black where the cars are running and then red clay again. And then that black will give you grip because that's, that's rubber laid down. Yeah. So it really is like running an asphalt track. And one night we had a, uh, we had a tire that we hadn't used yet that we acquired from a parts car. And we, it's a Goodyear tire. It was the only Goodyear tire we had we, before we run a, uh, maybe Cooper's or something like that. I don't remember exactly what we, maybe, uh, I don't remember the exact brand we run. I don't think it was Cooper's, but it was a Goodyear tire that fit our car. And we we're like, let's run this Goodyear on the right front tonight. That's, that'd be pretty cool. So we went out there and we were leading the feature for a little bit. And it's about 16 lap feature, something like that. And big half mile track, big, long, fast, high banked half mile dirt track. Love this track, but it was one of those really dry, dry slick nights and suddenly my car just got to where it stopped uh turning in the corners it that just could probably be a problem it just stopped turning and i was fast though i was really fast and then all of a sudden i just it wasn't handling anymore through the corners and here come one of my friends uh, two of my friends were involved with this so a guy named rodney and a guy named jamie um here come one of my friends rodney racing me now all of a sudden because i pulled away and he caught me with about seven six laps to go or something like that 
Mm-hmm. And um, I managed to stay in front of him. And then here comes Jamie. And he caught me too. So now all three of us are racing on top of each other here. And I, uh, I used some lap traffic a little bit to get around him and stuff where he would, he would got right beside me, but then I squeezed him behind the lap car. So he had to back off and all that. I mean, it's just, just your game is ship. Right. And, um, yeah. I did the best I could, but I just couldn't handle the next thing I know. They both went by me, not at the same oh, time, no. but they both passed me. So I'm like following them down the straightaway with like two laps to go, just driving as hard as I can. It's like, Oh, I just want to get one of them. At least, you know, I'm finishing third here. We're the three best cars. I just don't have it anymore for them to just my handling went away out of nowhere. I'm following you should have just, well, you just, you should have chastained them. You should have just wrecked them both. Uh, I'm changing that phrase to Hamlin them by the way. Now uh, we'll talk about yeah. that in a minute, but there was one point where we were in lap traffic and we had these little race receivers in our ears, right? From the, uh, the, the spotters up top, not, not like we don't have our individual spotter, but the track spotter. He gets in our ears yeah. and tells us where to line up and things like that. Well, he was acting like a dang NASCAR spotter this night because we were flying up on these lap cars. And he was telling them as we were going by him in the group of three, uh, leader to the inside. He called the number, your car number, leader to the inside, stay high, leader to yeah. the inside, stay high. At one point, these two friends of mine in front of me, they went high and low and split a lap car down the front straightaway. And that guy on the in, on the radio, he called out to do his number. Like, inside, outside, stay in the middle, stay in the middle, stay in the middle. Just stay <laughs> like that. I was like, this yeah. is the coolest thing I've ever done. <laughs> this is so much fun. And uh, I yeah. wanted to finish in third uh, in that race. And I got back to the pits. My right front tire was bald. Like, Ooh, it was an asphalt tire. Like, it, it had no tread whatsoever. And I was like, well, that's why I couldn't steer. <laughs> that's why you couldn't turn. I mean, I know yeah. that's a roundabout long story, but it, that, that was one of the most fun nights I ever had to have such a good car to finish third behind two of my friends and watch them race the way they did. And coming back, come back to the pits and realize it wasn't me. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. it was the actual tire on the car. I was like, okay, well, we won't run that kind of tire here anymore. We, we'll just stick to the tires we got. We just thought it'd be fun to run that one tire that that night that's probably more of a, a wet track tire than a dry slick dirt track tire but yeah anywho um talk about let's talk about richmond a little bit more what about hamlin and jj yaley <laughs> yeah so man the uh, the kahunas on Denny hamlin <laughs> or and now we can't say that he purposely wrecked jj yaley because on his podcast that I have not listened to yet, uh, I guess he admitted that he is at fault, but he certainly did not mean to dump him. I think if I'm being, you know, if I'm trying to not be biased, I feel like he was very frustrated. Uh, I think he sped or he had a really bad pit stop or something. Mm-hmm. He was back in 30th. Yeah. Uh, and I think JJ squeezed him a little bit, kind of pinched him off going down the front straightaway. And he, you could just tell that he kind of lined up right behind him, gave him the boot. And I just don't think he meant for him to back it up into the fence. I think he definitely meant to. Oh, he meant to knock the mess out of him. Yeah, to show his displeasure, which is okay. Which that, I mean, that's part of short track racing. That's part of NASCAR. Like, I'm cool with that. Uh, but I don't believe that he actually meant 
to destroy that car because JJ Daly, I can't even tell you who owns that car. What is that? The number 15 or something? Yeah, that Rick Ware car. That Rick Ware. Yeah, Rick Ware. So there's not a lot of money over there. You don't hear about speaking Rick of Ware 51. Yeah, Rick yeah. Ware. But anyway. Yeah. So uh, JJ said, you know, after the race, that it was kind of funny, you know, that he got wrecked by. Denny Hamlin, who has been on, you know, in social media and the media itself, talking about respect, mm -hmm. talking about how drivers don't have respect anymore. And I feel like it's especially ballsy, especially with, and to pull the curtain back a little bit, we are recording on Wednesday. And tomorrow we will find out if his penalty for what he said on the podcast um, about purposely wrecking, not wrecking, but purposely getting into Ross Chastain uh, a couple weeks ago at Phoenix, uh, all that stuff that we are going to find out the, the outcome of that tomorrow. So it was very uh, interesting that he's involved with a incident with JJ Ely just days before the verdict of that penalty, um, you know, for purposely wrecking the one. I, so I bet it gets upheld. I bet the whole penalty gets upheld. You know why I think that? Why? Because he made that comment last week that says, I'm not going to be the only driver that gets stock points. What happened today? Just before we come online. Yeah. So if you're referring to Justin Haley, mm -hmm. right? So as of today, the Na uh, the National Motorsports appeal panel that is such a mouthful <laughs> the national motorsports appeal panel ruled to upheld the l2 penalty issued to the 31 of colleague racing the hundred thousand dollar fine and four race uh suspension for the crew chief will stand the team drivers and owner points have been um issued to lose 75 points so not a good day if you're a justin haley fan or a colleague racing but man uh did you know that only one was messed up and the other one uh talking about the the um oh the, the louvers louvers yeah only one was messed up not the other one it's just it shows you what what clout in the sport does for you it has to. I, I mean, there's no, there's two ways you can look at this. Like one, you can look at it as pure Hendrick favoritism, where every single one of their cars got all the points, you know, given back to them. Right. But Justin Haley, not affiliated with Hendrick in in that kind of a way, but with the near about the exact same thing that happened to him. Um, only thing happened to him was that he got 25 points given back to him. He's still down 75 points. Yeah. So you can either look at it as pure Hendrick favoritism or big team favoritism, like one of the staple teams of NASCAR instead of helping out a, uh, the smaller guy. They just hit him hard, you know, hit him harder than the big guys. Or yeah. you can look at it as I make an example out of Denny Hamlin. Because Hamlin said last week, and this is why more I believe, the more I think about it, this is more what I think is why this happened today. He said last week, did you see what happened with Hendrick? I'm not going to be the only one getting dot points. He feels so strong that they're going to take those points and give them back to him for that, that crash that he caused. And 
they're letting him know, hey, you, you're right. You're not going to be the only one dock points because we're going to keep these points on Justin Haley. I mean, yeah, I kind of feel that. So I, I don't think his penalty is going to go away. I mean, the fine's not at all, but if anything, I think his point what, – what was his point penalty? Uh, oh, man, you would ask me that. Yeah, I don't know. Quite it wasn't sure. 100 points by no means. It had to be something like 25 or something. It, it couldn't have been a whole lot. It, I don't. Yeah, it definitely wasn't 100. Um, I could see it getting cut in half, but he's still going to be dot points. Or it might just not be messed with at all, which, I mean – I do believe he meant to wreck the dude this weekend because I've seen Hamlin drive. He's wrecked more people this year than Ross Chastain has. I yeah. It Look says at the clash. Here, <laughs> he was fined fifty thousand dollars and lost uh twenty-five driver points. Twenty-five. I could see it being dropped down to maybe fifteen or twenty. I'd or just left it's only twenty-five, just leave it alone. I think it'd right. just be left alone. I don't think he's going to get any taken, any given back whatsoever. It's honestly, it's a, it's a big uphill battle mm-hmm. for him to, you know, have any sort of penalty taken away from him. I think they're going to upheld it and they're going to keep him. They're going to hold him accountable. I think Which, so too. Honestly, I'm not sure how I feel about that because, uh, I mean, I get it trying to, you know, hold the drivers you know, uh, accountable for their actions. However, if it's after the race, if it's, you know, the day after, and in this case, it was, he got done at Phoenix. And I think they actually recorded that episode like just a few hours after the race. But what I'm scared about is the whole reason why I love listening to the Denny, uh, Denny Hamlin download. Holy moly. <laughs> the Dale Jr. Download, uh, Denny Hamlin's, you know, uh, podcast, Corey LaJoy, is because they can go in there and, you know, for at, to some extent, they can speak freely. And I feel like if NASCAR comes down on Denny Hamlin for, you know, talking freely or speaking freely about the race i feel like all these nascar podcasts are not going to be as uh, yeah I, valuable for information because yeah. people are going to these drivers are going to be well hey i'm not uh-uh, i ain't gonna tell my secrets because i'm gonna get penalty you know penalized for it so i i hope and you know, I I hear all the naysayers saying stuff about like oh freedom of speech and like to an extent I get it one hundred percent, but like at the same time like man, we need rivalries. We need you know people to sit there and you know broad their shoulders and say eh, heck yeah man I did wreck him and you know what he deserved it type of thing. I just I don't like this penalty. I and a, a couple weeks ago I don't know what I I don't know how I answered that question. I'm pretty sure we asked each other if you know if we like that pot, yeah that penalty. I don't know what I said, but thinking about it after having a few weeks to kind of digest it, I don't I just don't know if I like it. Um, I mean I go back and forth on it. It's it's more of a penalty for not speaking uh, properly. As right. it is to what actually happened on the racetrack, because yeah. you can have what happened on the racetrack and turn around and say, "Well, I just meant to make him have a bad day. I didn't mean to actually wreck him. I wasn't trying to wreck him. I just want him to ba- have a bad day." 
Right. Okay. Well, that probably won't get you a penalty. But if you come out and say, oh, no, I was going to the back and I was taking him with me. I was putting him in the wall. I was hitting him as hard as I could, as much as I could. He's a hard dude to spin out. I tried. Right. Exactly what he said, by the way. Yeah. Um, NASCAR doesn't want that. They don't want yeah. that image of people purposely going out there and taking each other out. I mean, they they sat Bubba Wallace down for crap like that. One of yeah. the most popular drivers, in their opinion, well, hearsay anyway, uh, in the sport right now, just sat him down. It's like no, and you, you can't you know race. The whole, the whole funny thing about that whole Larson and and Bubba Wallace situation is. Mm. Bubba Wallace literally lied to everybody and said that he lost, you know, mm. his, his toe link was broke and how he had no control over his car. And NASCAR saw right through it and said, yeah, well, right. They got dude. the data, you know, right. You know, you know? so, I mean, it's, I mean, you know, with the whole, cl- granted, that's a very different situation. Bubba very Wallace turned yeah. somebody head first into a wall at 170 miles an hour. That's very different than but, Phoenix bumping somebody, you know, down the straightaway. And through the corner at Phoenix on a mile mile racetrack, where you're not going that fast right at that point of the race, so it's very very different. And he's not turning him head first at the wall. That's so true. I mean, point being, I think Hamlin. I, well, this is what I think NASCAR wants. NASCAR wants all this kind of stuff. They want people beating and banging and knocking each other out of the way and stuff like that. They want all this stuff. Otherwise, they would have made some massive changes after Coda. You know, they, they're really usually quick quick to make changes when something is somewhat embarrassing or something to the sport, right? Right. Um, they would have made massive changes after Coda and all those restarts and stuff, but they like that. They want that. They want this, like, chaotic style of racing, especially on restarts and towards the end of these races. So what they don't want, though, is somebody to – to have the perception that these people are intentionally taking each other out. They want wild racing without malicious intent. And right. the minute that you show malicious intent or say that you were, you know, acting that way, you're getting penalized for it. So that's the key to it. Do whatever you want. Just don't make it look like you did it or say you did it on purpose. You know what I mean? Right. It's NASCAR want have wanting to have their cake and eat it too, in a way. That's my personal sure. opinion. So I think we're going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll get back and we'll we'll go into the fancy cup and uh, absolutely. God, we'll talk about Bristol Dirt. We got a big episode. Um, before we go to break, I want to talk to you about skinnymixes.com. If you would go over to their website, check them out. Uh, a lot of sugar-free syrups and low-calorie keto syrups for coffees and drinks. And uh, any type of thing that you would really use that kind of syrup for. They got little uh, individual bottles, like like the water enhancer kind of things that you buy from Walmart, like the Mio's and stuff. They have individual bottles of syrup that you can take with you. So you should get a cup of coffee out. You can use these things and, you know, enhance your coffee while you're out on the go, too. They got so much stuff, so many flavors. It's unbelievable the amount of flavors they got. Check them out, skinnymixes.com. Use the code MARBLES at checkout and get 10% off your first order. So check them out. The following announcement has been paid for by the Pulling Up a Chair podcast. Tim here, host of the Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shop podcast. 
you're a fan of wrestling figures and the artists that take them to the next level, then I've got a favor to ask of you. Come check out my podcast, Pulling Up a Chair. Each episode, I sit down and talk to figure customizers, figure photographers, set builders, figure collectors, podcasters, and even pro wrestlers. Just search out Pulling Up a Chair with a Chair Shot wherever you get your podcasts, and I hope you'll join me next time right here on Pulling Up a Chair. So how do you make a commercial about something so random? I don't know. You make it pretty random. That's right. So if you enjoy lots of random stuff like food or top fives. Random facts. Dirty facts. I try to keep them clean. She tries. Uh, But come listen to Tales from the Estate. We have lots of fun. We try to drop shows every week. Try. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we don't. The kids are the kids are a bear. They are. Uh, But yeah, come listen. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Okay. Uh, Ethan, do you happen to have the Fantasy Cup standings anywhere handy? I sure do. It was an interesting week this week because our points leader, he had issues. This week, this is the first time he's had some serious issues. And second and third place, we did not have issues. So we got kind of a tight points, tight points battle up front now. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, fun fact, nobody in the top five, nothing changed in the top five of our fantasy cut uh, point standings this week. But things sure did tighten up a lot more. Uh, Justin still leads the point standings with 279 points and two wins. Uh, you are second with two wins, and uh, you are behind seven points. John is setting third, uh, 11 points behind. Caitlin setting fourth with one mm-hmm. win, 36 points behind. Drew Vinsel is fifth, 47 behind. I am sixth with one win, 50 points behind. Let me stop right there. This is a really <laughs> big race for me. Because I could go from sixth to first if I'm the only driver that picks the winner. Well, uh, you can be within 10 points of first. What do you mean? Well, I don't have a, a system where you get zero points. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the last few spots, they get at least 10. Oh, well, then... <laughs> Dang it. That's all right. That's all right. I mean, you're, you could, though. You could jump right, right up there. You oh, know, man. you could jump all the way up to second place because uh, I'm seven out right now. Yeah. Which in this system, it's like, I think it's five extra points for first and uh, four for second, three for third, something like that. So in this system, it's the difference between two spots up front. In the top three, you know, yeah. so first and a third, and I'm I'm right there. I'm a points leader. Yeah, it's you know, it's wild it's, and it's so exciting. And uh, you know, I'm sitting sixth with 229 points and one win, 50 points out. Don't look now. Matt is seventh 
with one win, 51 points out. So he's right on my tail. Uh, let's see. Billy is eighth, 58 points back. RJ has slipped all the way from first to ninth with mm. one win. He is 61 points out. Jessica is 10th, 67 points out. Josh is 11th, 82 points behind. Nicole is uh, 12th, 84 points behind. Tim with one win, uh, 13th, 106 points back. Rock is 14th, 109 points back. Uh, let's see. Joe is 15th. Did I skip a number? I feel like I skipped a number. I don't nope. think you did. Okay. I thought I went from 13th to 15th for some reason, but yeah, Joe is 15th, 124 points back. And Jody is rounding out the field 16th, 147 points back. But Jody and I had conversations uh, through DM. He told me that he, this whole season, because, you know, he came in a little bit late. So, of course, he's going to be a little bit far behind. Uh, he almost won. Was it this week or was it last week? I think it was this week. I, I feel like he picked Truex and I th or something like that. And he was flirting with a win. So, I mean, those, you know, it, that. It looked like that for a minute he was going to win. Yeah. So, uh, Jody, he told me that this is all practice for next season. <laughs> so, we have already confirmed one person that will be coming back next season. That's Jody. So, really excited about that. And I think you'll hear Jody's name a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting week this week. I'm I'm glad it's kind of tightening up near the front, and somebody's not just running away with it. Um, you don't like to see somebody have trouble and stuff, but at the same time, you're like, yeah, let's make it exciting, though. Right. Um, naturally exciting. We're not going to force it to be exciting. Like we're not making a chase or nothing like that. Um, but it's because you want to earn your win throughout the entire year, but you also do want it to be exciting that way. So it's, it's fun uh, as far as that goes. And I still have not picked Kyle Bush or Larson yet. And that's awesome. And you know what? For the first time, this is, we're seven weeks in and we are just now hitting a, the point. The first time this season where we have a decisive placement. So there's no ties. There's no, uh -huh. Anything about like that. everybody has their rightful place in our point standing, so it's really, really interesting now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, obviously, seven races in, we still have what 30 or 29 left to yeah. go, so <laughs> plenty of time to make up, you know, um, yes, points please for don't, please don't stop. I mean, if if you're feeling discouraged because you're, you know, 60, 70 points out or something like that. And you know you're only going to possibly at most make up 40 points in a race. Don't feel discouraged. Just keep keep going. It's more fun when everybody keeps doing it. I'm worried about that. That halfway through the year, people just stop playing. Yeah. But I don't want that to happen. I, I want everybody to stay in there. Because on top of that, if you happen to pull off a few wins, you're jumping way up there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Because you never know. Because all these people that are up front now, um, there's a lot of drivers that they're not going to be able to pick halfway through the season. Right. Yeah. You know, like how many Larson picks have been used up already? And he's only won that one time that nobody picked him. I feel yeah. like every single week somebody's picked Larson. Except for this past week, for sure. Yeah, but except this week. 
I have been, you know, going back now that we're a little bit deeper into the season, I have been keeping track of how many times someone has picked Larson or Kyle Bush or, you know, William Byron, all those people. So I'm starting to see a lot of duplicates. So mm-hmm. I'm really, really interesting, uh, interested to see, you know, who's, you know, who's going to pick the heavy hitters first. And uh, for any of the fantasy drivers that are listening um, on our Facebook group, every Thursday I'll, I'll post the, where you can start uh, commenting or submitting your driver for that weekend. If you go all the way down to the bottom, it'll say uh, like a do not pick list or something. And you'll see my name with Kyle Bush next to it. Let's say that I, (laughs) I pick William Byron and that was my third time. I'll add William Byron to that. Let's say, uh, I don't know, let's say uh john brown he um picks uh, ross chastain three times i'll add him to that list so if you're not sure of who you can you know pick for that weekend scroll all the way down on that post and you'll see who you can and cannot pick obviously if your name is not under mine then you're available to pick anyone you want so we got an interesting race coming up this weekend yes when it comes to the fantasy cup um, we can go ahead and talk about Bristol Dirt just a little bit if you want to. I know you're not like a big fan of this uh, style of Bristol, and I understand that because you're kind of changing, you know, yeah. Bristol up and making it an uh, artificial dirt track. It's not a natural, like real dirt track. They could go to all these real dirt tracks all over the country, but they chose to do this at Bristol, which I mean, I get, and I love the week after it the whole like two or three weeks worth of dirt track racing at bristol after it where all these cars from these late models modified street stocks uh front wheel drive cars that come from all over the country to race at bristol yeah that's amazing i mean i wish i could just camp out out there for two weeks and watch that right i, I would be i would stay out in them stands i wish i could race it i wish i could have a front wheel drive car or street stock or something and race this job yeah I mean, if if I if this stuff was going back when I was racing, I would be out there, a hundred percent. I would do whatever I had to do to go up to Bristol with my, you know, truck that probably wouldn't make it all the way up there, and my trailer with the lights not working half the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> and park right in there with all these expensive haulers, and I'd run my Toyota Celica up there. You'd I mean, run a what? I absolutely, do my Toyota Celica. That's what I raced. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I, I told you that know. before. Did you? I probably I raced wasn't just about everything except the Ford. Oh, good call. I raced uh two different Chevys, a Chevy Cobalt and a Chevy Corsica of all things. Goodness gracious. I actually want to race in that Corsica too. Okay. Um I raced a Mazda protege. I've raced a uh Subaru. And the Toyota Celica and the Dodge Daytona and a Plymouth Sundance. Oh, I don't think I'm leaving anything out. I don't think I'm leaving anything out. I think that's it as far as front wheel drive class goes. But I've never how many before. of those cars how many of those cars did you win in? Um I did the the first one was a Chevy Cobalt. I did not win in that one. Not Cobalt. What am I saying? Chevy no, it's not Chevy Cobalt. Uh, Geostorm. I'm sorry. It's a Geostorm. I don't know why I got Chevy Cobalt. Because I painted it Cobalt Blue. That's why I said that. Oh. 
Um, the Geostorm. I did not win in the Geostorm because that was my very first deal. And once I finally got it to where I was going to win, the clutch went out. Um, oh, no. And I didn't have the money to replace it at the time. Let's see. I won in the Mazda Protégé. I won in the Chevy Corsica. I won in the Daytona. I won in the Subaru. And I won in the Celica. So I won in all of them, I think, and, and the Sundance, Plymouth Sundance. I won in all of them. I won something in all of them, whether it was a feature or some heat races. I won in every single one of them except the Geo Storm, but that was just because that was my first thing, and I only did that for like three races before it before it died on me. That's awesome. So uh, not not too bad. Not too bad as far as that goes. I didn't dominate by no means. I, I kind of did in 07, but that's it. I've raced from 04 to 09, 010, you know, and 10 and stuff like that, but I didn't dominate anything except 07. That was pretty good. I think I had like 12 heat race wins or something like that. But the car wasn't very reliable in the features until halfway through the season, so I only got three feature wins that year. But Oh, wow. But still, I mean, that's, that's fun. Fantastic, fun. actually. Yeah, that's awesome. See, I'm trying. I, I was wanting to save all this kind of stuff for episode 53. Oh, but... I'm sure we could probably retouch <laughs> it. That's totally fine. I I'm think. sure I can come up with a hundred more racing stories for episode 53. And I hope you was do. What's my racing number, by the way? For anybody that didn't realize that, I don't know how you didn't realize that, but that is my racing number 53. That's why the logo has a 53 on it. And yeah. the fact that our one year anniversary is coming on episode 53 of all things, that's incredible. Fantastic. Um, let's move on. Uh, we can talk about Bristol dirt a little bit. Bristol dirt. It's going to be kind of a, I would say it'd be a crapshoot kind of race as far as the pick pick goes, as far as fantasy cup. But at the same time, it's not because we are going to have practice and actual races. Yeah. So if you really want to know what's going to happen in this race or get a very, very good, uh, I don't say guess, but make a very good call on who you think is going to be up front based on how they perform in practice and the heat race is coming up for this thing on Saturday. That's a good way to watch and see what these guys are going to do. You can see who's going to do what and how they're passing cars and yeah. and how they are in traffic and and how they are in these these different track conditions and stuff and who needs to work on their cars a little bit more. Who starts going to the back on the starts? Who starts you know coming up through the field after a few laps? You know, you're looking for all sorts of stuff there. And the fact that they have a practice and actual race conditions before this race. It might actually make it a little bit easier. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a real, oh God, it's going to be so cheesy, a real dirty weekend for me because I'll be <laughs> at work where I have to, you know, I work in lawn and garden, so a lot of dirt there. Uh, and then get off Friday and then go work at Humboldt Speedway, which I'm always very excited about watching some of the best local Southeast Kansas dirt modifieds and tuners and you know whatever else we have i think we have a mods this weekend as well uh that's friday night saturday i'll be at work so i'm not going to be able to live tweet any of the heat races but as soon as i get off i will be watching um 
all the heat races trying to figure out who I'm going to take. But a big thing that we are forgetting to mention for the fantasy drivers uh, in our you know fantasy league is that we have a special driver this weekend in Jonathan Davenport. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I thought my <laughs> mic went out for a minute. Jonathan Davenport is racing the, I think, the 13 for Colleague Racing this weekend. I'm really excited about that. He is one guy. He knows how to get it done on dirt. He's had 117 races that he's entered. He's won 14 of them. 30 of them was podiums, so uh, finishing in the top three. Uh, he's not had any sort of pole positions. No fastest laps, but uh, race win percentage is 12%. Podium uh, percentage is 25%. So he knows how to get it done on dirt. Uh, I do want to do a giveaway for this race coming up too, because our first show was Bristol Dirt. Yes. And even though this isn't the one-year anniversary, I do want to also do a uh, a giveaway for the one-year anniversary, which... By the way, I believe that's Talladega weekend. I believe so. Man, everything is just falling into place. That's my favorite track, dude. Yeah. Are, are you going to be there? No, I'm not. Oh, okay. I'm not. We we got stuff going on that weekend, it, tur- it turns out. So, I mean, it's fine. I was there last fall and at Daytona. It's it's fine. Um, But, yeah, uh, I, I have a giveaway. I If Drew's okay with it, I want to do that that card that he has yes for the giveaway for the one year at talladega episode 53 uh for the fantasy cup racing but also this weekend i want to do an in the marbles t-shirt giveaway awesome and it'll be the uh design of your choice any we have three designs two of them are kind of similar but it depends if you want specific in the marbles Right. lingo or just a general racing lingo on the shirt you know i made both of them there just so you know you could choose yeah and um then you have our classic logo shirt and since it you know was our first show last year bristol dirt i figured that would be a good time to do a uh a giveaway so same deal if you win the race you're qualified to win a uh one t-shirt now i'm just uh, i don't want to like you know go into the extra types of products they have like we're gonna stick with strictly t-shirts <laughs> right <laughs> because i don't i'm not sure honestly if you can buy extra products in this design or not but i know like some like some of these products are like 40 or 50 dollars each and like ugh, let's, t-shirt t-shirt ba- basic t-shirt guys t-shirt only uh any of the colors available any of the uh logos available whichever i think like i said we have three but if you win the race and you're the only person that picked that driver that won the race you win just dm me your uh address and which one you want you can link it directly if you want to and tell me the color and all that and i'll order it and i'll send it your way uh whether it's in facebook dms or Twitter DMs or even Instagram DMs, it's whatever. Or if you have one of our numbers, just text us, you know, whatever you want to do. Absolutely. And if there's more than one winner, like there was a few weeks ago when everybody picked, uh, who did everybody pick that won a few weeks ago? Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago. I was oh one goodness. of them. 
Tyler Reddick. Thank Tyler Reddick. You. Yeah. Yeah. Say see if uh everybody picked somebody like Tyler Reddick and he won. So you have four people there. All of those four people, I would probably pull myself out of it, honestly. Yeah. But now just for the t-shirts, not if it was like a card or something, because that's right. not my prize to, to give. That's somebody else's prize to give. I'm like, I want that card now. I, I took that Joey Logano card. <laughs> but uh, we would take all the winners and put them in a random draw, and we would draw one from that stack. So to qualify for the prize, you win the race. Yes. And if you're the only winner, you won. Absolutely. Up. That was a long way of putting that simple little thing. But anyway, um, so check out the heat races if you want any any type of sense on who to pick this weekend. I, I probably won't be able to live tweet the heat races either because I think we're doing something Saturday night and Saturday afternoon. So, you know, also check out the truck race. It's going to be interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I believe usually uh, a lot of fun. Jonathan. Uh, oh, my gosh. Davenport. Davenport. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sorry. Oh my gosh. He's like a legend. And I, uh, anyways, Jonathan Davenport is actually going to be racing the truck series. And he, I believe he was just down here at Wheatland, Missouri at Lucas oil speedway, which is the, the same racetrack that I'm going to the SRX later this season. He just dominated a uh, dirt late model race down there last weekend and did you happen i you probably don't but it's really not that big of a deal did you happen to see all the fiasco on that race did you hear about it on twitter no i didn't yeah i mean it's just your typical dirt tracks stuff. somebody jacked up somebody on you know going down the front straightaway and got kicked out for <laughs> fighting and stuff so kind of fun little it's not it's totally missouri and and kansas we we, we kind of hold ourselves to a higher standard you know um not by much that, um, that mess happened at milton florida just the other week right where cops were showing up in the pits i mean that's oh just, yeah that stuff happens that's yeah, one of absolutely. our tracks around here southern southern raceway it's in milton florida heck yeah but yeah guys go to your local dirt track this is wild it's it's always something interesting at the local dirt tracks just go check them out so before we get out of here today let's go ahead and uh do a couple of questions uh one of them's from a few weeks ago we kind of forgot that it was a thing like we knew the question was there but we kind of forgot what it was right and so i finally went back and listened to a couple of weeks ago uh tales from the state a couple of weeks ago and like oh yeah i remember that now um because it was leading up to the coda race yes that's where this question came from uh question was from drew what do you think is the better situation a skilled driver and bad equipment or great equipment with a less skilled driver oh uh Wait, i that. would take skilled driver and lesser equipment for 1000 alex <laughs> i think it depends mm -hmm. i think i think it can be both ways you know at the same time like if you take a skilled road course racer and put him in so-so equipment, he might still be able to get something done. I mean, you see it with AJ Allmendinger every week yeah. at road courses. But you take that same equipment with that same driver who's not as skilled on some of these like mile-and-a-half ovals, and he can't get it done. Right. Now, they can still get done on super speedways. He's really good at that, too. But... 
Super Speedway is kind of like an equalizer as far as that goes. Or you could have a really good short track driver. Like Harry Gant back in the day was a really good short track driver. Rusty Wallace was a really good short track driver. He could take, they could probably take just about any car and give everything they have to that car and make something happen with it. But you put some of those guys on Daytona and Talladega in the, in a, a car that might not have the speed as everybody else does. They can't get up there, but you feel like somebody like Dale Jr. Could get up there and lesser equipment. Right. Right. And Dale Earnhardt. I mean, we've seen that every single year, even when uh, Childress was not at the top of their game in the late nineties, you know, between like 95, 96, 97, 98, all that, they were not quite there. They kept going a little, a little further back and back. And they finally started getting back in 2000 but they were still up front at these super speedway races because that dude knew how to drive those tracks. Right. And so I feel like it's kind of, it depends, you know, and, and it, it isn't just that either. Uh, we talked about that as far as uh, Tyler Reddick being up front last year at Coda in the eight car. And we thought Kyle Busch would do really good in that same car that Tyler Reddick uh, almost won it last year. And what, where they finish? They finish one, two. Right. So we were pretty much spot on with that. Like you see Tyler Reddick is probably the best road course racer in NASCAR right now. Yeah. With this current gen car. He is the best road course racer with this current gen car. Period. He's won more races with this and more top fives and all that than anybody else. Any, no one was even close to him. Right now, he's got three wins. Yeah, in this gen car. I mean, there's other people that's got more stats altogether, but not in this car. And you, you kind of figured that since they were finally starting to get it a little bit. Now they took a big step back this week, but when they were finally starting to get it a little bit, you kind of got the sense that he was going to do really good, regardless of what car he was going to drive. Right. And it was, yeah, it was interesting to see them both up there in the top two. But there's, it's more than that, though. I also believe that a big thing of it is your crew chief combo. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that is sometimes the people you have around you, especially the people directly involved with you, like on the pit boxes and stuff, making the calls, helping adjust the cars and listening to your feedback and adjusting based on your feedback and knowing exactly what you want and what you're talking about. I mean, there's a reason why Jeff Gordon won so many championships at Ray Evernham, but afterwards he did not race like that anymore. Right. You know, there's a reason why Jimmy Johnson won seven championships. He had his crew chief and he never let him go. And Jimmy Johnson had one crew chief his entire career. Am I, um, am I right about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, seven championships. That's what happens. You know, it's just, I, I believe it, it's a combination of a lot of things. And I feel like the question, would you rather have a better driver and bad equipment or a bad driver and great equipment? It, it all depends. It just straight up all depends because I've seen Jamie, Jamie McMurray is a good example of this too. Not that he's a bad driver, but he was, he was a, a Bush series driver. Yeah. And he jumped in a cup car in his second race. One. 
his first cup race and his second race because he was subbing for an injured Sterling Marlin who had a car that should have won that championship that year. Right. In 2002. Mm -hmm. So, and Kevin Harvick, you know, jumping in the three car at three races in, he wins at the same track. And now what I've heard is that's not the same car. I don't know about that, but at the same track, at that same team just won the last race there. I feel like it's a little bit of both though. I feel like both of them can do good. I kind of like the, uh, I mean, look at Josh Berry this weekend. I was just about to say that, you yeah. know, <laughs> like on one aspect, you can look at Josh Berry, you know, someone who might not be at, and I'm not saying talented. He's an absolute talent when it comes to NASCAR racing, but someone who's not, um, uh, diverse in the next gen equipment mm -hmm. and he goes out based off his communication with his uh his team his crew chief and pit strategy he finishes second which is unheard of but when i first thought of this i immediately went to kyle bush you know with rcr rcr is not a five-star team in my opinion not yet anyways uh he went out and he dominated well i wouldn't say dominated but he should have won the Daytona 500. He ended up winning the second race of the season at Auto Club, uh, you know, and then ever since then, you know, he's been battling his things. But I, when I first think about this, I think I would rather have a more experienced uh, driver than uh, equipment. And I think of people like Martin Truex Jr. when he was driving for Front Row Motorsports or whatever that team was called when he actually won the championship. Mm -hmm. for them in their last season that team has not been around ever since uh that comes to mind kurt bush we were talking about it at the beginning i of was the gonna show. say kurt bush yeah because yeah. he always took everything he ran he took it and made it a competitive car and he might not have won in the 51 car or he might not have won every single car that he was ever entered in but oh, he, he sure was, made it he was there he was there in the 51 car though yeah, there are several several instances that I can remember right off the top of my head that he he really almost got it done in, in a very less than uh, equipment or team. Another person I think of is Mark Martin. Um, I remember hearing stories of how unbelievably talented Mark Martin was when he would be at test sessions at Rockingham Speedway in North Carolina when he would come in and say, you know, this is what's wrong with it, blah, 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 blah. The team would say, well, we need, you know, two more tents. And Mark Martin was a magician that would go out there and he would find, okay, you need two tents. I'm going to give you four, you know, like it's, and it's all that driver mentality. I think Mark Martin is a, a perfect example of that, but I think Kurt Busch is the end all be all when it comes to that question. And that's an amazing question by Drew. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting to see exactly how that works out. But like I said, I also think it has a lot to do with your crew chief driver combo too. There's a minute you take a good piece of the puzzle off like that, it never goes back together the same way. Right. Yeah, it's just how it is. And um, do you have the question from, from Jody? Uh, I can look it up really fast for sure. Well, I can ask. I got it up here. I'll, I'll okay. Question for you guys. Uh, this is from Jody. Uh, question for you guys on the pie if you get to it. If you can explain a typical driver career in terms of Craftsman Truck, Xfinity Cup, and what that would look like. Talking about a career path here. Yeah. Like, 
as far as baseball goes, you have like high school, college, minor leagues, and major leagues. As far as NFL goes, you got high school, college, and NFL. And sometimes you have these little smaller things you go off to like that. Same way with like basketball and anything else. Um, you know, I think basketball, you can fast track away from college and go straight to NBA though. Um, there is no rules in, in the cup series. The, the only rules is you have to have an approved NASCAR license. So NASCAR has to approve you being there. Like they, they got to know that you're not an idiot pretty much. They got to know that you can actually handle yourself on, uh, a mile and a half ra- you know, racetrack or something like that a few times before they give you permission to run a two and a half mile super speedway. Though there are some that kind of sneak through, kind of like Daniel Suarez, you know, <laughs> like we have to sprinkle a little razzle dazzle in there, you know. Um, yeah, and good goodness, any Indy car driver that wants to come over here and run a Daytona 500, they're not gonna, they're not gonna turn them away. Yeah. He's like, no, you got to run Arca, and then you got to run Nashville, you know, in the Xfinity race, and then you can run a Daytona race in the trucks, and then we'll let you go to the Cups. Like, no, they yeah. just you got a car, go ahead. I mean, perfect uh, example is Jonathan Davenport this week. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever raced X- trucks, Xfinity, Arca, anything like that. He's going straight to the Cup Series. It's it's the most like wrestling that NASCAR is. Yes. There is no set career path to get to the WWE. You can, or like on top of wrestling, I should say that. The Big Show, he was sitting at a basketball game and Hulk Hogan saw him across the arena and said, let's go get that guy. And he, they took him to the power plant and his first match, he won the world title. Yeah. I mean, that's NASCAR. That's exactly what can happen with NASCAR. So uh, really fast, fun fact about the Big Show. We have the same birthday, February 8th. And also, <laughs> uh, Big Show, he played college basketball at Wichita State University, which is about two hours from me. So That's really I, cool. I used to live there, so that's really that's cool. That's so not fair playing basketball against him. Oh, I'll tell you what. Man. Um, obviously, in order to be any good at racing, you're going to have to have that experience. So whether it's a local level or, you know, maybe a, 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 an asphalt late model series or something like that. I mean, you got to have your name out there and you got to get noticed. That's when people will bring you in to run usually an ARCA race or two or a truck race or two to see if you can do it, see where you can go from there. But the biggest thing with NASCAR is you got to have money. You got to have money, honey. Yes, yeah. sir. They, that's why Paul Menard made a career out of NASCAR. I mean, he had Menards backing him the entire way through. Yeah. That's why he jumped all over the place and ran cup for a few years. I mean, that's it. It wasn't because he's the most spectacular driver out there. I mean, he wasn't bad. You know, there were a lot worse out there than him. But, Daniel Suarez. Well, I'm Danny Suarez actually won a cup race. So did Paul Menard. He won Brickyard. He did win Brickyard, you're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I stand corrected. <laughs> Paul Menard won the Brickyard 400, which is a little bigger in Sonoma. So, yeah. I'll, I'll grant you that. Um, I guess Suarez needs to win two to get over the Paul Menard line there, huh? Yes, sir. The Paul Menard line. That's which it. could happen. That. 
Daniel Suarez absolutely could have, uh, you know, could get his second career win in the Cup Series this weekend because he was stellar last weekend, uh, last year as well. I, you know, I didn't want to give away too many of my secret picks, but I mean, I'm looking at Suarez. Listen, I'm, I'm watching him. I can guarantee you, I will not use Suarez once this year, <laughs> not once, unless I do, and then in that case. I will <laughs> just to throw you off the scene. I mean, sometimes bit. you just want to make sure you get a top 10 and he can give you a top 10. He can give you a top 10. If you go to the end of the year and you're out of these drivers, and you're like, who can finish in the top 10 for me? I guess I'll pick Suarez. <laughs> no joke. I already have my, uh, my Phoenix pick for November. I have that one solid. I know who I'm picking there and I'm, making sure that I don't pick any, you know, use him up for the rest of the season. Yeah. Okay. I think, I don't know if you can hear it on your end, but man, I'm pretty sure Ross Chastain is right outside my house and he's just circling my house because he's been doing it for 20 minutes now. I so, can't hear it. If you deal. see him, if you see him, get him on the show. I, yeah. I'll <laughs> say, Hey, hello. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's it. It's really not that big of a, uh, a, a line as far as going to the cup series you 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 run some local races you've run some regional races maybe some uh some national late model races or something like that get your name out there get noticed and find some backing that's the biggest thing find some money because with some money you can jump you know they'll pass over a better driver if you got money yeah they will absolutely do it I've, it's been done in the cup I mean, oh, why do you yeah. think Danica, Danica Patrick got up there? Right. She had GoDaddy money. She had a, a lot of money behind her. And she never won anything. Never. Thank goodness. But she was always in that Cup Series. And, I mean, that's it. You They, they say the, the path is run some Arca, run some truck, run some Xfinity, and run some Cup. Then you get the Cup Series. But realistically you're looking at like a year in arca two or three in trucks to get get that right because it takes two or three years to finally get this right sometimes right then two or three years in Xfinity. by then you're seven or eight years into your nascar career and you probably were already 22 23 years old when you started yeah and now you're almost middle age going in the cup which is how it used to be but it's not how it is now they'll fast track these people now oh yeah they might not even run a full time. Yeah, he's he's. We're pretty. We're lucky. He got to run a full time Xfinity series. Yeah, I'm su we're surprised, honestly, that he didn't just get fast tracked on up. Like run a few races here, hit the big tracks, and then just jump right to the cup, so you can unlearn all the stuff you learn in that car and just start learning the new car. Yeah, I think that's another big thing too. The different cars, how how different some of them are. Trucks drive completely different than Xfinity, and I hear Xfinity is like the most fun thing to drive. Yeah, it's definitely producing that on on the you know color box or the pitcher tube. <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> oh, the television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That thing. Uh, and then you go straight to the cup, and that's a completely different car too, unlike anything they've ever had before. So yeah. You know, kind of all over the place. There's no real set path. That is basically the path, but that that doesn't always happen. I've seen IndyCar car drivers jump right up the cup. You know, you see, 
late model drivers this weekend that have never run a NASCAR race in their entire life. They're going to be in the Cup Series. Yep. Racing with Kyle Busch and Joey Logano and all them people is crazy. Excellent opportunity for them. Really, really happy for them. Did you uh did, did you happen to hear uh, Jonathan Davenport on Stacking Pennies with Corey LaJoy? I did not. They were kind of talking about uh, Corey Corey LaJoy was kind of warning him about you know the, all the fiasco at at Coda and da- Davenport is one of those guys that you do not mess with. You <laughs> I, you do not want to mess with this dude. He is wild. Like he is grass grassroots type of guy and he said something along the lines of i'll tell you what if somebody races me like they did at coda someone's walking out with a black eye and a fat lip so uh very excited to see that i and you know what like knowing the reputation because we hear about davenport here in southeast kansas all the time um you always hear about it now with me kind of being on the inside of the dirt world as well uh davenport is a name that i hear quite often and i of course um you know my boss at the at the speedway that i work at he's my local hero he's the local kyle bush for me um i've you know i've not from him directly but i've heard you know a lot of people talking about davenport and he is smash mouth in your face but you know i don't think in the last 20 years he's ever entered the corner on someone's bumper you know he's you know it just like he was kind of explaining to Corey lejoy like you know with the dirt late models if you enter the corner on on someone's bumper or beside someone you are so loose that you just have to give it up and then try again you have to be at least three car lengths away before you can start making a pass and you know dirt racing is obviously a lot different than uh the nascar racing but you know when nascar goes dirt racing it's gonna be kind of a 50 50 on davenport because he knows how to get it done on dirt but does he really know how to race these next gen cars i don't think so i don't think davenport's gonna be much of a conversation starter yeah he knows how to handle a really loose car but I mean, he also has a lot of downforce on that really loose. Like, he's used to the dirt as far as how loose you are on the dirt, but he also has a lot of downforce on the dirt. Yeah. With that late model style body he he drives, these cars, they're not going to produce any downforce on the dirt, and they're going to look like they're on ice. Oh, it's going to be a train wreck. I mean, let's be honest. It, it kind of always is. <laughs> I wish they would modify the cars. I know they don't like doing that, but I really do wish they would modify the cars for dirt and put some side panels up and comb the nose a little bit, you know, put like a dirt piece on the front of it, some si- side skirting or something on the right side at least, just to just to make it a little better on these guys. You know, yeah. just to produce a little bit of downforce. Or do do an old fashioned run with your wrong and have those like those late models that come out with those big giant clear plexiglass pieces up on top of the cars that are right. like ten feet in the air. <laughs> and also, Davenport is one of those guys that is used to running a twenty three hundred pound dirt late model, just slinging it. You know, mm-hmm. as fully posable would say, slinging it all over the place. Um, now, you know, cup cars are definitely they're way heavier and they're going to be a lot slower. So it's going to be really interesting with Davenport. 
Uh, I think that's going to do it, man. We're running a little long. We need to get on out of here. Um, I'm surprised my voice has held up. It started going away right here at the end of it, but it's good. We're all right. Okay. Um, let's get to the podcast drafting partners real quick. Real quick, Heath. <laughs> you, uh, me too, but, but yeah. you more than me. We tend, to, we tend to really drag these guys out. It's like, let's just go through them real quick. Let's get out yeah. of here. All I'm right. ready for it. Yeah. Right. Fully Puzzle Wrestling Figure Podcast. Go check them out. A lot of fun stuff happened this week at WrestleMania. We didn't even get into that. We'll get into it another day. Drunk Wrestling History, Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry, Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast, Howling with the Wolf with Jason Wolf and his amazing Top Shop, and also Magic and the Mouse, a Disney World podcast I got to listen to recently. And um, I heard that. Yeah, that is <laughs> a welcome Apollo to the uh, to the show here. Um he heard Jessica walk out the front door, so kind of ruined all that. So perfect. No, we're good. We're good. Go ahead with your list. <laughs> all right, real fast. We're just gonna get this done. All right. So, uh, as always, uh, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. I almost went into my spiel, man. As always, peace love. All right. So as always, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour. Of course, shop dot baymusic.com uh go listen to the archives of you know it's fake right with brian breaker saturday morning rumble wheel with brian breaker and daniel cross tb toy cast with brian breaker and no holds barred with the legendary bill venus uh you heard their commercial earlier go check out tales from the estate with drew and caitlin with cameos from rocco and cole uh like tales from the estate you also heard pulling up a chair with our friend tim at a chair shots commercial as well go check out that uh stolen gimmicks pro wrestling podcast with joe and jordan they have a uh, t-shirt uh giveaway that they should be announcing um you can actually listen to their newest episode right now and you can figure out if you won that if you entered uh, also reffing it up with brian hebner drops every thursday where rj from the in the marbles fantasy cup is actually the producer of course uh lionel racing the official diecast producer of nascar also has a podcast called authenticated the diecast collectors podcast and that is all i got your list got a lot longer than my list. My goodness. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, thank you, everybody, to listening, for listening to this week's show. If you would, please rate and review and follow us on, on all the social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram, at In the Marbles Pod. You can also find us on Facebook, which last I saw, I think we have 53 followers, which is Ooh. perfect. Um, I might just close it down right there. Just perfect. Keep 53. Uh, <laughs> you can also email the show any comments or questions at inthemarblespod at gmail.com. Uh, also, any questions can be sent to us in any of the DMs on any of the social media sites. Just let us know. Uh, check out watermaneuver.net. If you click the top left corner, it says search by store. You can scroll down to In the Marbles, and there's our T-shirts. One, Maybe one person will win this week from the Fantasy Cup. Maybe yeah. so. Uh, also, go to skinnymixes.com and use code MARBLES at checkout, and you'll get 10% off. And before we get out of here, got anything you want to add? As always, peace, love, and all of the above. And we'll see you next time in the marbles. <laughs>